Turn with me, please, to Malachi. This is the very last book of the Old Testament, and we'll look at the last chapter. We'll be reading verses 1 through 6 of Malachi chapter 4. Uh, actually, I'm going to read verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 15, and then jump over to the beginning of chapter 4. Uh, 3, 15, and then chapter 4. And now, uh, we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves released from the stall. You shall uh, tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction." We can be surprised and even intimidated by the darkness of our world. Uh, Whether it comes in the form of the physical convulsing of a tornado ripping its way through the midsection of this country, leaving one of them leaving a 250-mile swath of death and destruction in its path or whether it is mass shootings that still go unabated. In some of my reading this past week, I was reminded uh, of the shooting in in Charleston in 2015. Dylan Roof's uh, shooting left leaving nine dead at Emanuel Church. In Thaddeus Williams' book, um, he mentions and reminds me of, of part of the reason, or perhaps the main reason, why Dylan took that shooting spree, and it was to agitate black citizens to pick up arms against their white neighbors, further an excuse then that would be for further violence against blacks, purposeful to begin a race war. The ugliness of this, of course, staggers our minds. The darkness around us in the world, the unrest in our nation and nations abroad, stunning. But it is equaled by the darkness that is in us. Isaiah called it thick darkness. My sin, your sin as well. And yet in all of this darkness there is hope 
that, as the Old Testament describes here, hope for God's people that a son, S-U-N, a son of righteousness, would rise with healing in its wings, and you would go out, as it were, as, as calves cramped up in a dark stall, released into the, into the sunlight to scamper around, uh, around the barnyard, as it were. And yet, there were 400 years that passed between the giving of these words and the eventual arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. Generations lived and died. And it seemed like the light was never going to come. But how thankful we are to be able to sing even tonight in our, in our Christmas carols and in other songs uh, that there is a comfort for those who sit in darkness. Uh, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. And we see in the reading of this passage that the Messiah came to dispel darkness. From our perspective, he has come to dispel darkness. And yet he will come again. And that will be further uh, a further um, giving of life to us and death to those who still oppose him. The Messiah came to dispel darkness. He will come again. And this is what I want to get at today. Dawn has arrived. Dawn has come. And yet we wait expectantly for the light of full day. Dawn has come, but we wait expectantly for the light of full day. Let me look at this verse, uh, verse 2, just, just looking at, at, at the, the basic parts of it. The sun of righteousness is rising. The sun of righteousness is rising. Uh, the light of full day, upon the return of Jesus, the light of full day will bring unbearable heat for some. The second coming is clear here. The day is coming that day of the Lord. And, and this is why I had us read uh, verse uh, 15 of chapter 3. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God uh, to the test and they escape. And that is a picture of our day as well. There are arrogant among us. There are evildoers who are not just getting away with it, but are prospering. And yet judgment will come like an oven. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. And the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. To whatever extent people today realize that judgment is coming and suppress it still, to whatever extent they cannot turn back this coming judgment, they will not, these words will not stand on the day of Jesus' return. Religion is just another way for powerful people to control the masses. That's how it's described today. To control the behavior, to control the hopes of the masses. That won't wash when Jesus returns. And yet the emphasis that I want to give to us to this, this evening um, is the blessings that come with Jesus' first arrival. 
the early shafts of life that come that of light that had that came with Jesus' humble beginning. Luke uh, reports Zechariah's prophecy: "The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give us light and peace." This, of course, is this dawn is the Lord's dawning uh, on the day of the first Christmas. Bringing uh, Isaiah's uh, prophecy, or, or Zechariah's prophecy goes on to say, knowledge of salvation, the forgiveness of sins because of God's tender mercies. And of course, the son of righteousness here described is, is labeled in, by Jeremiah as, as the Lord our righteousness. Tzedekano, the Lord our righteousness. And that is, he brings all the righteousness that we will ever need. First of all, the righteousness of God for us, but then also the righteousness of God in us. Do you hear both of those? You have right now all the righteousness for you that you will ever need. Some of us here just a few hours ago in this room for Sunday school, marveling again at Luther's phrase of the passive righteousness of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That's what we usually call, in, in our circles, what we usually call the imputed righteousness of Jesus, reckoned to us by faith. And yet, I love, I love Luther, Luther's statement there. It's passive. We, we don't do anything for it. We don't work for it. Jesus did that. So we sit down and rest on what our Savior has done. You have now all the righteousness that you need. And thank God you and I also have, in the trials and, and difficulties of living in this still darkened world, as representatives of the light of Jesus Christ, we still, we will have all of the righteousness in us that we need. And I want you to hear that and celebrate. You'll have all the righteousness in you that you need. The inner renovation has started. The new creation has started in the resurrection of Jesus and now in your heart and mine. This is our hope. All of the world's counsel that sets itself up against God um, is a light and temp- as light and temporary as vapor. Um, the world's counsel can neither silence nor change the light of God, the righteousness of God. So I want us to arm ourselves. Think about arming ourselves as a church, as families, as individuals with this. The rising generation coming up around us is, you could, you could say, the first one um, in uh, in the last 2,000 years that is rising and ra- being raised in a post-Christian world, a post-Christian world. And among other things, that means that the morality that you and I seek to practice, the morality we seek to live, uh, by which we live our lives, is by people in this world, the classmates of your children or grandchildren, is seen as quaint as at the very best and oppressive at its worst. And our young ones will get caught up in the tsunami of this moral um, degradation unless we do two things. Unless we speak of the light and live as the light. This is our calling in this dark world to speak of the light. 
to speak of Jesus, to speak of his beauty, to speak of his wisdom, and then to live uh, as the light. Um, Parents, and I want to say parents and Sunday school teachers, parents and Sunday school teachers and other involved adults, bring Jesus' light to your children with gentle persistence. Speak uh, together. And I want to, parents and Sunday school teachers, speak with the same voice of the beauty of wisdom, the beauty of the righteousness of Jesus, a a lifestyle that, that the wisdom of righteousness, the gift of true sexual freedom, the gift of deep racial freedom, through the gospel. This is what we have to offer in a world that is so confused and wandering around in darkness, wondering why, wondering why there's such confusion. All of our families partnering together as parents, as, as Sunday school teachers, training from home and training here to speak of the light and live as the light. This is the church's responsibility. It's the responsibility of parents in partnership with the church. May that be a goal that we move more and more to, to see all of our children here um, speaking of the light, hearing of the light, and following the example of the light lived out by both parents and leaders in the church. Jesus, the Son of Righteousness, um, uh, is, is rising And the Son of Righteousness is bringing healing. The Son of Righteousness is bringing healing. Uh, For those who fear God, the Son of Righteousness um, rises uh, to bring life and rises to bring healing. There there is a collage of images here. Uh, The sun sun is rising as on birds' wings full of light and life and healing. What else can you do with that? This phrase is pregnant, it's full, it's loaded. The sun of righteousness is rising as on birds' wings, um, full of light and life and healing. And of course, this healing comes in two stages. As we've already seen, the the grand healing is coming. And how much the Ellis household is thinking of that these days. Our uh, outer natures truly are wasting away. But our inner nature is being renewed day by day as we wait for that full and complete healing. But just not yet. It's coming, but not yet. And that's what we long for. That's what we wait for. But there is still substantial healing now. Substantial healing now. Not only in our, in our, in our lives, uh, where our inner natures are being renewed day by day, but also in our society. There is light um, flashing into dark places, providing substantial, real healing now. Think of the darkness of Charleston. The loss of precious lives worshiping their Savior. The light of Jesus shone brightly through by the power of forgiveness. Listen to the testimony of two individuals who lost family members 
a son lost a parent, a daughter lost a parent as well. Listen to what two of them said. Addressing in some way Dylan Roof himself, either directly or indirectly, after having had your parents taken away, family members shot in a church, nine dead. This is what these two young people said. You took something really precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Another, I've realized that forgiving is so much tougher than holding a grudge. It takes a lot more courage to forgive than to say, I'm going to be upset about this forever. Our forgiving was something greater than us, using us to bring our city together. Now, we cannot expect to eliminate social, uh, all social sins in this day. Our flesh will not be perfected, and certainly neither will our corporate flesh. Do you know what the corporate flesh is? That's what we would call the world. Neither your flesh nor the corporate flesh will remain, um, uh, will, will be uh, sinless until the time where the light comes in full glory. But still, only Jesus can heal hatred and bring love, heal bitterness and bring peace and unity and mercy. Other worldly light is breaking in. And even secular, left-leaning news outlets spoke of the light that faith in Jesus brought to that community in Charleston. And so we pray for, and we show it as we can, this unmistakable, impossible to counterfeit life of Jesus in our own lives and in our society. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, with liberating power. The Son of Righteousness, the rising sun, will one day uh, bring the kingdom of God in all of its light and life and healing. And in that perfect environment, this, this verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, will find its full com, com, uh, completion. Uh, think of, just imagine this. And I, and I talked about this verse with a friend of mine who's a dairy farmer. And he said, yeah, that's right. That's what they do. Calves that are confined to dark, cramped stalls emerge into the sun and they blink and they frolic and they kick up their heels with boundless energy and full health. Exactly what you're reading here. Yeah, this happens all the time. And so, we will be released from the limitations of poor health and the misery of sin. That's coming. And the first act of joy of that day will be to tread down the wicked that will be ashes under your feet. The arrogant evildoers will be held accountable and will meet their end on that day. And you and I will be rejoicing at that. 
because we will take part in bringing justice, of holding evil to account. But not yet. Not yet. And yet there's still a little frolicking right now going on. And that is the freedom that we have as the children of God. Freedom of righteousness. Freedom of righteousness. Uh, some, see, uh, some see Jesus um, breaking in uh, and, ri- and a church rising to turn back uh, the church to the time of Constantine. Uh, ch- church would be, and the society would be, known as a Christendom again. That there will be a future, some say. There, an earthly noonday, an earthly time full of glory. And then Jesus will return to usher in the eternal kingdom. Maybe. But I don't think so. <laughs> More likely, the church will remain a suffering community. This is certainly the expectation that you have in the reading of the epistles. And in that context, as the church continues, as the church continues to be light in in an oppressively dark environment, obedience is hard. But listen to this, my friends. No one else's sin means you have to. No one else's darkness means you need to respond with darkness. The freedom freedom we have as Christians is aligning our hearts with what God has called us to do. We see at the end of of this chapter that that John the Baptist will be going before, well, Elijah, later identified as John the Baptist, uh, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. There is, there is a movement towards fathers being reconciled to their children and children reconciled to their fathers. This is kingdom business. And we see this in wider circles too. A couple of years ago, a few years ago now, I can recall, I recall speaking with a pastor, a local pastor by the name of David Cornett. Does anyone here know him? Speaking to David Cornett. And, and, and this is what he said as he was talking to a Middle Eastern man who pumped his gas for him every two or three weeks as he would drive by. He would speak to this man. He would, tr- he would say hello. He would talk about his family. He would just be kind to him. And at one point, uh, this individual responded to David, um, you are the first American to treat me like a person. First American to treat me like a person. Well, how about that for an opportunity to bring light into a dark world? Treating people who might be overlooked, treating people who might be scorned, or who might be feared, treating them as humans, speaking to them, and as the Lord gives opportunity, speak to them about the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in conclusion, just a couple of questions. Um, is your life one of liberated joy? Is your life one of liberated joy? Would you say, looking at the way you conduct your life, looking at the way you deal with disappointments, could you say that your life is one of liberated joy? That your joy is not tied to circumstances and your joy is not tied, sorry, Your joy is not tied to getting your own way. (laughs) 
I would ask you, I would implore you in the name of the Lord this evening um, to choose one way in which you are preferring bondage to blood-fought freedom. How are you preferring bondage to blood-bought freedom? Offer that up to the Lord. Walk in righteousness. You've got all you need in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, we pray that you would be working in us as your people here. For those who fear your name, that the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and we will go out like calves, liberated, released from the stall, knowing the righteousness that you have for us and the righteousness that we have in us by Jesus, by the power of the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the saints that are gathered here tonight. And Lord, we pray that our homes, our families, our relationships would be full of of mercy and grace and peace, reflecting of this Son of Righteousness. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.